Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good Friday morning, I should say. We are live, and uh, welcome to episode 3081 of the Survival Podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Very, very brief segment at the beginning. I'm going to talk about how I went to Facebook jail again. Uh, I don't even use Facebook other than to put these uh, live feeds up there because I can do that with a click. But I do have to jump over there real quick to... Uh, to, uh, to actually grab the link so I can put it on the TSPC live page for you guys if you're still using Old Blue. And uh, I happened to make a simple comment, and I'll tell you what it was, and I got thrown in the Facebook pokey for three days. And it's just, it, it's obscenely stupid. It, I'm not mad or nothing, as you can tell, but it was just dumb. Uh, and then we're going to talk about unsettled science. The, the scientists who know everything, and we should just shut up and plot along and do whatever they say, whether it's shove a swab up our ass or mask our face or subject our children to a medical treatment they haven't fully tested yet. Yeah, they found some shit in the lungs they didn't know was there, and it's uh, the thing that's holding a thing they knew was there when I was taking health class in seventh grade. Yeah, really, and it's really important. We'll talk about things that science doesn't know in just a bit. Then we're going to talk about what no one's saying about the court ruling about masks on airplanes, and it's the only thing that we should be talking about in regard to the court ruling that says you can't make people wear masks on airplanes anymore. And we'll talk about uh, the Potato and Chief's attempt to, uh, to, to overturn it after he wasn't going to do it because he's being pressured by the woke mob. And then something came up this week. We were talking about taxation with my guest on Wednesday's show. And he said something about he thought property tax was kind of the most insidious tax. I actually agree, and it's led me, and I'm not sure this is done yet, and I want your input on it. I've created something that I call the tax scale of deviancy. So it's all criminal activity. It's all theft. It's all stealing people's property. But are some taxes more insidious than others? And uh, so we'll talk about that. And I think property taxes go almost almost at the top of the list. But I think there's one tax, and I think it's a little bit more insidious than a property tax. And it kind of is a property tax. And that's the thing. As we develop this tax scale of deviancy together, because that's what I want us to do. I want to do it together. Maybe eventually once we get it worked out a little bit, and if did I miss anything, we'll create a MeWe poll, and we can sort of vote on it and see what people think, and then discuss it, and then vote on it again. I think that's that's the way democracy actually works, is if you, if you just have everybody vote on something because they have emotions, like if you have everybody vote and then give credence to the stuff that's at the top and then have a discussion about it and then re-vote, then maybe you get like an informed decision. That would be crazy talk. But, yeah, we'll talk about the tax scale of deviancy. One of my favorite people kind of let me down this week. Now, I'm not, like, emotionally traumatized over it because I know when somebody says, Jack, I used to respect you, but you let me down with this opinion, I always say something like, well, Roger, I do wake up in the morning and think, gee, I hope I don't disappoint Roger today. So I, I'm sure that Pomp would feel the same way about Jack Spierko, but he overhyped something that has no need to be overhyped. No need to be overhyped. We're going to talk about it. And it's, it's basically one of our greatest allies and one of the largest, most, not one of the tiniest, but one of the more wealthy countries in the world, losing faith to a degree, at least in the American dollar, the euro, and the British pound all at the same time. And I think it's a big enough story. We don't have to make a yellow journalism headline to go with it. And I probably ain't pomp. It's probably one of his Twitter bitches that does all his tweeting for him. Um, but, but 
Israel's reduced its dollar holding for reserves and has added the Chinese yuan, uh, one, uh, also known as the renminbi, the Australian dollar, and the Japanese yen. They didn't get rid of the dollar or the euro or the pound. They diluted their holdings. And we're going to talk about what that is actually a signal for. Uh, and then somebody made a comment this week in one of the chats during a live feed. It was from Brad M. I don't know if he, I know which Brad that is, by the way. I don't know if he wants his last name put out there on the air, so I'm not going to do it. But he said, the, the reason that Gen C's Z, Gen Z says shit like, I'll never own a home. I want to talk about the bigger implications of that. Why did I quit streaming, streaming to no agenda tube? I have a real easy answer for that one, and I wish I didn't. I wish I, uh, I, I wish I didn't have a real easy answer, guys, to that one. I, I wish it wasn't true. And it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of like a, they ain't ready yet thing. Uh, it'll make sense when I comment about it. And, um, next up, I'm going to be talking about how a derp That's what I'm going to call him, a derp, on Instagram said, Jack Spierko only sells fear. And he specifically started bringing that up when I posted things about COVID. And I want to know who's really selling fear. Is it the left? Is it the right? Or is it the scary anarchist in the middle, right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about why the woke are broke is a matter of course. And I know that might seem like ridiculous because some of the wealthiest companies in the world have gone woke and you think they're woke. They're not woke. They're not woke. They don't believe their own bullshit. They're pandering and it's blowing up in their face because the actual woke tend to be broke. There's a reason they rhyme. I think it's just poetic justice, the English language meeting karmic justice there. And then I want to finish up today. I'm going to talk. What do I mean when I say I'm an anarchist? I think a lot of people, and I talked about this, you know, in an earlier episode, it was either this week or late last week, that when people have conversations with holdout statists about anarchy, they have the wrong conversation. I want to continue that conversation on a different level today. So let's get into it. Before we do, though, I want to remind you guys that uh, Paul Wheaton has a really badass PDC coming up. This is kind of the PDC for professionals um, that – I think maybe a lot of folks have been looking for, especially people who have taken PDCs in the past and they want to go to another level, but they don't want to sit through the same PDC or people that have a lot of industry knowledge. Here's how Paul describes this particular permaculture design course coming up this summer at his place in Montana. Most PDCs are crafted for beginners and a lot of professionals get bored. Our PDC assumes the student is desiring a course with a bit more substance and grit. This PDC is designed for scientists, engineers, educators, people with a lot of current knowledge of permaculture. Alan Booker, an engineer himself, has developed a format that caters to these people. Alan's course will cover everything a PDC normally covers, but is packed with information that can help advanced or expert students take their knowledge to the next level. This The focus of this PDC is on the technical aspects of permaculture and on professional landscape designing for clients. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people, and together you will not only learn the framework to survive in a rapidly changing world, but to thrive. Every student will work through the entire design project individually, but always with the support of their design group and instructor. Students will have multiple chances to present their design ideas and get feedback throughout the course of the first 13 days. 
building to the final design project presentations on the last 14th day. During these final presentations, each student will present their own design project to the group as if they were presenting to a professional client. This course is designed to help you really start thinking like a designer, even if you have a lot of practical experience in various aspects of homesteading already. The Homesteaders PDC will move you past simply thinking in terms of isolated systems into designing integrated whole landscapes. So if you've been thinking about kind of taking your permaculture design to the next level, or if you're some sort of professional already in the world of landscaping, you're all in, already integrating edible landscapes and things like that, if you're a design professional and you, you feel like taking a PDC again or a base-level PDC really isn't what you're looking for, this one may be for you. And I would, I would encourage anybody to take this PDC. Brand new, just getting off the ground. I don't care. I think it'll, I don't think you really need to be like super switched on. I think it would be helpful, but I'll give you two different reasons I feel that way. Number one, every time I've ever had an employee struggle, I've taken my best person for what they were struggling at. And all I did was put them next to each other. Sometimes they work together. Sometimes I just put them next together, next to each other and And infinitely, every time, that lowest level performer would actually rise above the middle and get up into the top tier, just by association. Two, seeing this myself, one of the most useful experiences I ever had was going to Montana uh, with Dave Jackie for the design of the Helena, uh, I think it's the Sixth Ward uh, food forest, public food forest, first public food forest in Montana. And... Uh, I wasn't actually really blown away with what we ended up with because if I, and I might have missed the opportunity had I known this, we were trying to please nine different stakeholders, governmental and non-governmental entities within Helena. And they all wanted something different crammed into an acre and a half. That put some constraints on it. But a lot of the people at that course were landscape designers and they were people that already had PDCs as well. Working next to them, really helped. And having Dave pull some stuff that I thought was kind of cool and I've used in my own training now, like when people were struggling, he said, okay, what I want you to do is right now design the worst design for this place possible. Go. You got two minutes. Whoever gets the, the worst design wins, you know, ego prize or whatever. So we were like designing like, you know, quicksand pits for people to fall in, poison ivy patches and stuff. And it lightened the mood. And what it also did We didn't realize until it was over. It actually focused us on uh, focused us on the, the task that people are going to be walking their kids through here, for one example. Like, we do have to please all these people. We do have to make the design work, you know. And it was it was really awesome to be surrounded with people and to have people say things to me because I suck at drawing. I mean, I absolutely really suck at drawing anything. A straight line is a challenge without a ruler for me. And one of the guys who was a professional landscape designer, 30 years in the business, said, do you know what we call this when you're drawing these designs out? And I said, what? Because we call it trash because 99% of it's going to get thrown away anyway. And it freed me. So I think this would be a good course for anybody. That's longer than I planned on it, but uh, definitely check it out. There will be a link in the audio notes. There's a link in the video notes below if you're watching the video today. And uh, that will go over to the audio version of it and all the links and everything that for today will be there about one hour after the stream ends. So now let's dig into why did Jack go to Facebook jail again? This is funny to me. 
I don't even remember what the person posted or who it was. And Ron, I did get your mail. You're actually on the list in here. Uh, we'll talk about that about midway through the show today. Thank you, Ron. Um, but I went to Facebook, Joe. I, again, I don't even remember what the person, uh, frozen asking whose PDC are we talking about? Paul Wheaton's PDC. Uh, it's in uh, June of 2022 this year and there'll be a link in the audio notes. Okay. So I, I was, I just, you know, went over there to grab the link to put on the TSPC live page. Somebody posted something and they were kind of like, they seemed frustrated with the fact that the average American is an idiot, but they didn't put it that way and why people didn't understand something. Again, I don't even remember what it was. And I said, what you're missing is that 80% of all people across all demographics today are stupid in the definition within Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. And here's a link to Bonhoeffer's. I just put the link to the video I shared with you guys a couple, three weeks ago on Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. And then I went the next day to set up my live stream. And when I clicked, you know, the thing in StreamYard, it said, Facebook says you're in Facebook jail. And so I went over to see what it was. And I thought, well, I also just shit posted a picture or a meme or something about COVID, so maybe it was that. Nope, it was that comment. And what they said I did, this is great, this is great. I, I used hate speech, targeting a specific group or minority that is a target of hate speech. So now, okay, at least Facebook's getting a little, I'm going to tell you how they're getting a little bit closer to to actual equality here in just a second. But now, saying that 80% of everybody is an idiot is targeting a specific minority group. You know, if you actually want to protect the minority, Facebook, big tech, government, everybody, does anybody here know? Does anybody here know what the smallest, most oppressed minority in the world is? I know there's kind of a lag on the, the chat, so I don't know how long I can hold off before I tell you. But I want an answer to that from anybody. What is the smallest minority, the most oppressed minority group on the planet? Who is it? Guy's got it. Guy Incognito has it. Uh, and he was actually beat to the punch by K-Dubs57. Got it. The individual. Chase says gamers. <laughs> no, it's the individual, right? It's the individual. And I don't know if somebody maybe beat. Tom got it. Tom got it first. Tom got it, the individual. So a lot of people are getting it. It's the individual. It absolutely is, right? So <clears throat> when you say that you're targeting a group by targeting everybody, you're kind of sort of in a weird way right, you know? But, yeah, I was throwing, so basically they made it like I attacked, I don't know, some religious minority or some race or whatever because I said everybody is stupid. And I think the word stupid is the trigger for the Facebook filter. Has anybody else noticed, like, if you're on Twitter – because I'm on Twitter now, too, because I, I broadcast there, so I went back there to see what's going on. If you say something like a cuss word in a comment on somebody else's post or a response to somebody's comment on your own post, you get this warning that they're going to screw you and shut your account down. Did you really mean that? Because this sounds like hate speech or some shit. And it might be something like, you know, the guy says, like, you know, something you agree with, and, boy, you like, Boy, dude, you're fucking right about that. And then, like, you're hate speeching. So they're now they're just looking for any word. And that's what we call word discrimination. And I wanted to use this to talk about something else that happened this week. Somebody got very triggered with me. 
last week and they commented on the blog where I published the audio version of this because I dared use the word retarded. Now, here's my feeling about the word retarded. If you're triggered by this, go away, fuck off, and don't bother me, okay? And that's how, if you go to the survivalpodcast.com, go to the uh, About tab, you'll see disclaimers and policies. Look at Section 3. It's been there since 2009, and it pretty much says that in legalese. Um, but if if retarded was a word that was commonly used in the professional space today to describe people that were mentally challenged, I wouldn't use the word to describe somebody out of that realm. But it's not used. Like, we don't call autistic people retarded today, and we should. You know, it's those are people that have developmental disabilities. And this guy had a kid with a behavioral disability that doesn't sound like it's even a learning disability or impaired. He just has like a desire to control the situation. That's some that's not even related to the use of the word in the past. But the word means today to behave really stupid or foolishly. So I'll use the word. And if you don't like the word, don't listen to me talk and I'll get over it. I won't care. But don't come crying to me like some little whiny ass. And he, you know, I, I responded to him, basically said that fairly nicely for me anyway. He's like, guess you missed my point and went on blah, blah, blah about survival groups. And you need to know how to not use words that trigger people because in a survival situation, like you might come across somebody that's more badass or faster, or better than you. So don't give me your macho bullshit or whatever. And I'm like, nobody brought up macho bullshit or being badass, but you, dude. Right. So I don't know. I think you're projecting. Um, however, Like, if you are triggered by words, you're dead in a survival, you know, survival end of the world apocalypse guy's talking about anyway. You're going to end up dead anyway. Nobody's going to tolerate your shit. But the real reason I will not censor my speech is I've read 1984, and I know what happens when we start removing words from the English language, and I know what happens when we start changing words. Why is it that a 19-year-old with ganged-up tattoos from MS-13 out of El Salvador is a child... Right. When he crosses our border illegally, but a freaking 12 year old girl that's molested by an adult in a news headline is a young woman. Right. Had non-consensual sex with a young woman. No, the bastard raped the child that needs to be buried with a backhoe up to his neck and have people kick his head like a soccer ball till he passes out. Let him come to again, kick him in the head again, then just take the backhoe blade. The, turn the bucket under, push him under, scoot the dirt on him, and go on with life. And then that shit would stop. That's what would happen if we started treating child rapists that way. But no, we're going to refer to them as people who had non-consexual sex with a young woman. No, you're a child rapist. Okay? But then we're going to turn around and say, you know, a child, a child who's 22 years old that's in student loan debt because they took out a student loan, right? Like, they need to be forgiven We need to pay their debt for them, even though everybody else paid their own damn debt because they were too young to understand what they were doing. And then we're going to turn around and say we need to talk to five and six and seven year olds about changing their fucking gender. Okay, this is why I'm not censoring my fucking speech. And if you don't like it, don't listen. I'm done even hearing you whiny ass punks. They want to be worried about one word and then change the context of the word so that it fits your offense. And let's just a different thing here. Let's talk about this real quick. Hex Future says, who's meeting me at Float Fest? I guess maybe me, because uh, I'll be at Float Fest next weekend. I will be at Float Fest. I will be speaking there. And then I will be at Exit and Build with John Bush just the next weekend later. And then in June, I will be in Tennessee 
at the Self-Reliance Expo. So you can check out all of those. I'll add links to all three of them in the notes today for you so you can come hang out with me if you've been wanting to do that. Um, next up, you know, we always hear the science is settled. Anyway, real quick before I go back, I, I, before I leave this, yeah, I'm not censoring my speech. I'm not censoring my speech. There's more intelligent ways that you can express that thought. You know what? There's more intelligent ways to behave than crying and whining about somebody's words who you choose to listen to. And you know what really bugs me with it, guys? I have people that literally make the case to me, well, you're so blessed. You have such a big audience. People listening to you. You have a moral obligation to make your message fit as many people as possible. Do you know what happens when you make your message fit as many people as possible? It stops being your message. If you want to hear politically correct bullshit, I suggest you turn your TV on and start flipping through the channels. If you want to be lied to, go to mainstream media. If you want the facts, the facts, the truth, the and, and not even just the facts, but opinions that are uncensored, come to people like me. <clears throat> Most of podcasting, not all, but yeah, you because know, there's a lot of people podcasting today. They're not a podcaster. If you are a mainstream media person and you repurpose your content into the podcast space, you're not a podcaster. You're not one of us. You're not like us. We're different. And you will never actually understand what you're freaking doing. You will never understand the space you're in. That's why, you know, that's why CNN plus, I know it's not podcasting, but CNN plus failed instantly. Billions of dollars behind it. Hired big time journalists still failed. Why? Because of envy. Because of envy. They looked over at Fox and like Fox streaming, Fox premium, whatever it is. They, they make a lot of money. We should do that too. Turns out your woke-ass audience ain't got no money to pay for yet another streaming service. They're too busy watching. He is expecting on Netflix, which we'll just let go. All right. So, you know how they say the science is settled? I, I love when people tell me the science is settled because it doesn't take long when somebody tells you the science is settled for something to show up that science didn't know about and for science to have no damn clue what they're talking about and have it be exposed. So what happened is scientists finally looked past what they thought they already knew. And when they did so, they found a whole new body part in the lungs. Yeah, that's what they found, a whole new body part in the lungs. This is interesting. This is actually really interesting. This is actually earth-shattering in how we treat diseases, especially, I'm um, just going to say, respiratory diseases. Has anybody... Has anybody noticed an impact on society due to a respiratory illness lately? A respiratory illness where we were told that the science was settled? Has anybody noticed one of those? I haven't, but maybe you have. Anyway, they took a look in the lungs, and what they discovered is a brand new type of cell hiding inside the delicate branching pathways of human lungs. The newfound cell plays a vital role in keeping the respiratory system functioning properly and could even inspire new treatments to reverse the effects of certain smoking-related diseases, according to a new study. The cells are known as respiratory airway secretory cells, or RAS cells, are found in tiny branching pathways known as bronchioles, which are tipped with alveoli, the teensy air sacs that exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide with the bloodstream. The new RAS cells are similar. Now, this is interesting. The new RAS cells. 
No, the new to you RAS cells. They're not new. They've been there. I bet you they're in monkeys. I bet you, I bet you if you're right about evolution and, and whether you're completely right or not is really up in the air, right? Probably completely right. Probably not. I bet you whatever was the proto-human had these things. I bet you if you start looking in lower animal forms, I bet you they have them too. I bet you this is one of the most important things to anything with lungs that breathes the atmosphere on our planet, right, that has fully developed lungs as part of their system. You might even find it in like single-lunged organisms. Are there organisms with one lung? Yeah, you can look it up for yourself, right? Science didn't teach you that in school when you were learning that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right, and other useless bullshit. Well, they didn't teach you about this either, but I do know what they taught me in school. And one thing that they taught me in school was that there's these things called alveoli and that they're actually really freaking important. When we learned not to smoke in school in the 80s, because they actually used to teach us that they kept us alive in the 80s instead of how to change our gender and crap like that. Um, well, they, they talked to us about these alveoli, and they talked about how in smokers' lungs they actually die. But if you stop smoking, a lot of them will come back or regrow. So we knew they were there. Now, here's the interesting part, interesting to me anyway, you know, being a scientific hack and not understanding science like I do. Um, these cells, these cells are effectively similar to, if not a form of a stem cell. Now, a human stem cell is a cell that is not yet differentiated into a skin cell or a blood cell or a uh, a fat cell or, or whatever other kind of cell, a cell, the, 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 the cell that you use, you know, in your stomach or whatever. Like they, they are the proto cell. They can become anything. They can become anything. Well, you have basically a lung stem cell. It's like a stem cell specialized in the lungs. So it can read, that's how the alveoli that were killed by the smoke come back because they're attached to this thing, this RAS cell. And it, it apparently, acting like a stem cell, it can make new alveoli. Cool, huh? Now, we knew about these th little things that they're attached to when I was in school. They told, I remember in seventh grade health class, we had basic sex ed, by the way. We, we weren't talking to, you know, the teacher about cutting off our wangs or whatever. Um, I remember being taught about these things. So we knew the thing was there. We didn't know it was attached to it. We have doctors that go to school, study gross anatomy, et cetera. The whole part of the body, apparently a pretty poor, important one, didn't even know it was there. And it just keeps going. I know Scrambling's going to get up on a top rope here when he hears what I'm going to talk about next. For years and years and years, we were told what about cannabis? It's a Schedule One drug the most regulated drug on the planet. It's extremely dangerous and extremely addictive, and it has no medical use whatsoever because the science is settled. Then less than 20 years ago, they actually looked inside the human body and discovered the human being has an entire endocannabinoid system. Its only purpose that exists is to interact with cannabinoids. There might be a medical use for a thing that your body has a system that's designed to interact with. There might, there might be, there might be, I'm just saying. Now, people, when I brought that up before, said, but Jack, don't we have opiate receptors? We have opiate receptors on cells. We don't have an opiate system. 
We have a fucking endocannabinoid system. Like we have a respiratory system. It's purpose. There's a specific number of places where there are connections possible with cannabinoids. And different cannabinoids contact and, and connect with different receptors within this integrated system in our body. But science was comfortable telling us there was no medical use for it while people used it for medicinal purposes and proved that it worked. This is why studies are doomed to fail. Studies are doomed to fail. When you say, well, there's a random controlled study, blah, 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 blah. Do you know why they fail? Because they don't even test the thing that's supposed to be tested. Somebody sent me something recently about some guy blabbing the fuck on that when people used vitamin D as a supplement, they had lower bone density. Well, because they're K2 deficient. That's why. So if you test it in absence of the K2, and then you're going to create a deficiency in calcium, it's not because of the vitamin D3, but because of the K2 deficiency. But we test things in isolation, almost like we want them to fail. Oh, by the way, in that test, the people were given 1,100 international units of vitamin D. Here's the thing. You take people, give them 1,100 units. I use a vitamin D3 every day for six months. And you test their D3 levels. Other than the fluctuation you get from how much sunlight they're getting, it won't move the blood level. So something that can't move the testable blood level is responsible for what you're, you're claiming, and you've tested it in an absolute abstinence of a thing that's necessary to move calcium from the blood back into the bones. Good job, science. But remember, trust my science and don't worry about it, right? Now, next up, I wanted to show you this as well because I can't find anybody talking about it the way I want to. But <clears throat> this is the closest thing to making my point for me. So as many of us know who have been rooting for, like, the American people and freedom through this whole scamdemic thing, uh, a, a judge finally used logic and reason and the law and looked at the decision by the federal government to mandate in all transportation services, because it includes Uber, by the way, not just airplanes, that you must wear a mask. Well, the judge said no, no. Now, interestingly enough, the, the potato in chief Biden was willing to let it go. But the woke crowd jumped in and screamed and shrieked, so now the Justice Department is going to appeal it, whatever. You might wonder, what does this have to do with Fauci saying the judge's decision to strike down the travel mask mandate could prove to set a disturbing precedent? Here is the part that we should be talking about, and we're not. What the judge said wasn't, no, nah, I don't think you should do this anymore. The judge didn't say, based on new scientific information that shows that the pandemic is in waning stages and your decisions elsewhere to remove mask mandates, this doesn't make any sense anymore, so you can't do it. No, what the judge said was, you do not have the constitutional authority to fucking do this, period. And you never did. And it should have never been done. It was a violation of the constitutional rights, and it exceeded the authority of the federal government. Oh, it only went on two years. So they got to openly defy the Constitution, which they do all the time. I know you're going to point that out. I understand that. But when it's pointed out, when a judge makes a ruling based on it, not one talking fucking head says, hey, look at this. Look at why they struck it down. Even like the right wing media, like, you know, Fox. And if you think Fox is right wing, all they are is a different flavor of marketing to the same agenda, dummies. Anyway, they're talking about how great it is. How wonderful it is. They're talking about how the left is triggered by it, which they love to do. It plays to the, you know, the red meat of their audience. 
But I haven't heard a single talking head. And I've listened this week just because I wanted to know if anybody would. Anybody point out the why? So how does this relate to my, uh, the Hill article here with the headline, Fauci judges decision to strike down travel mask mandate could set a disturbing precedent. The disturbing precedent was the court actually doing its job and restricting government from exceeding its authority. And if you're Tony Fauci, that is a dangerous precedent. You mean I don't just get to be a dictator and do whatever the hell I want anymore? You mean I can't just say a thing and make it happen? You mean we can't take an emergency and use it as an excuse to exercise authority that we never had? That's a dangerous precedent. Why is no one talking about this? Because nobody actually wants to talk about the actual problems in America or the world. They don't want to do that. All they want to do is divide you. See, if you had that message, if that was what everybody was saying right now, wait a minute. Like, even if you were pro-mandate, even if you think that the judge got it wrong, isn't that the discussion we should have? The court ruling came down and said the government does not have this authority. Well, let's let's pull out the Constitution. Let's start looking through it. Let's start understanding it, right? Let's take a look at it, and let's see if we agree with the judge or not. Does the Constitution and precedent combined give the government the power to do this? And I know in the world of what is a woman? Well, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Well, you're not a constitutional scholar. So are all the government officials that swear to uphold and defend the Constitution constitutional scholars? No. Maybe they should be able to understand it. What about all the law enforcement officers? What about all the military that swore an oath to the Constitution? Do you have to be a constitutional scholar to understand the Constitution? I think it was actually written with the intent that you didn't need to have to be a scholar of anything. But if you understood the English language, you would understand it. So, yeah, that's what no one's talking about. Now, speaking of unconstitutional things, there's a lot of unconstitutionality in taxation as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, full disclosure, if you don't know me, I am an anarchist, a true anarchist. We'll talk about that at the end. I believe that all forms of taxation are theft. I believe that theft is always wrong. I think to deprive people of their property or their money against their will through the use of force, directly or implied, by your own use or by proxy, is wrong infinity. So when I say these taxes to me go in this order, don't give me some stupid shit like all taxes theft. You're preaching to the choir and the preacher at the same time. I know that. But it doesn't mean that some forms aren't worse. So, you know, use any other crime to explain this. If I sneak into your store and steal a pack of gum, it's theft and it's wrong. If I come into your store, shoot you in the face with a shotgun, and clean out the cash register, it's obviously worse, even though both are theft. That's where I'm coming from with this. So I think in order of worst to least bad, here's how taxes go on the scale of deviancy. Number one, and it's the one everybody misses, the inflation tax. The inflation tax is insidious because, to me, it is a form of income tax, And it is a form of sales tax, and it is a form of property tax. It's all three of them combined. Because you're affecting my ability to spend, that's a sales tax. You're taking from property I've already earned, right? Then that is a property tax. And I'm working to earn this money in the first place, and inflation is occurring while I'm doing my earning through the year, so it's an income tax. 
So by the very nature of being hidden and deceptive and being at will, and it doesn't require the legislature to do anything, that private entity called the Federal Reserve can choose to act in absence of the government. I know there's a debt ceiling. It means absolutely nothing, and we all know that. It's the most insidious, worst tax that there is, period. Next is property tax. I work my ass off. I buy a piece of land and you tax it. If I don't pay the tax, you steal the land back. This is often used by a lot of you who are using defeatist language that don't want to own property because you don't think you can. We'll get to you in a bit to, to explain why you should rent, right? That's stupid. You want to know why it's stupid? So you can either pay your property tax or you can pay mine. When you rent, if you don't think you're paying property tax, that means you need to get a fluoride filter and get the fluoride out of your water and correct the poor education you were given as a child. Because if I own a thing and I pass my expenses on to you and you pay them, you're paying it, not me. So that's not a reason not to own property. But to me, it's incredibly insidious. And it's not just – I put all property tax in this category. For instance, in, in Fort Worth, when we were running an underground construction company, they were property taxing heavy equipment. We had a big uh, construction boom in Fort Worth. And they were like, oh, these people own you know, a, a directional boring machine that's $300,000. That's property. Let's tax it. We were actually leasing all our equipment, and we had to force back through the system. We're not paying you a tax on property because it's not our property. It's leased. And Forward said it's property anyway, and we went to court and said, explain to me how I own property that I don't own. And the judge said, you don't, and told Fort Worth to shove it up their ass, and it solved a bunch of problems for a lot of other people that were just paying the bill. But there, it, they did. if you own the equipment, <laughs> you did have to pay tax on it. I don't know how long that lasted because once we didn't have to pay a tax on it, we didn't pay attention anymore. But anything you already own, you paid for that's taxed on its value, that goes really high on the list number two under inflation. Number three, I, I know you're going to think it's income tax, but it's actually not. I think capital gains is worse than income. Income has a lot of things that you can do to... Income has a lot of things that you can do to reduce the income, okay, to, to make it look like you, you didn't make as much as you did. There's a lot of ways to work that system. Capital gains means that I took my money that I already earned, that I already paid tax on, right, and then I put it at risk to grow the economy for everybody. That's what a capital gain is. Now, you want to talk about high-frequency day traders and shit like that? I'm not talking about that. You're treating two different things as though they're the same when you do that. But if I go in and I invest in a business and that business succeeds and I earn a return of my investment on money I already paid tax on and you tax it again, that's more insidious than the income tax and I have less recourse. Next is income tax. Now you're taxing productivity. So... When you tax at the inflation level tax, the property tax and capital gains, you're taxing the results of productivity. When you tax income, you're taxing productivity as it's occurring. So it's evil, but it goes on the list as number four, in my opinion. Number five is sales tax. As bad as sales tax is, the underground agorist community has a million ways to avoid it. And I know I'm paying it before I do it. And it's subject to jurisdiction. 
meaning that I can pay less sales tax just by buying from a different place. So it's bad. It does interfere with commerce, but it's taxing at a level that's clear. It's a specific rate in a specific area, and everybody pays the same. This is what I love, not love, this is what I hate less about sales tax. If we, When we look at income tax, one of the things that makes it really insidious is I make more money than you, so I pay a larger share than you do. If we all pay the same share on an income tax and I make more money than you, I'd pay more tax than you. But instead what we do is we write loopholes for the uber wealthy, and then we take the affluent person and we make them shoulder the, the burden, the heaviest burden, the people that do the most, pay the most. <clears throat> Not in total, but in percentage. After sales tax... <clears throat> I would say import tariffs. Import tariffs go next on the scale of decency because they do in some level work to serve the nation that is receiving the import. And they do help to balance the scales in a very misguided way, but I can't deny the effectiveness of it. And it also can be completely circumvented by saying Government, if you'll get out of my way, I will build the widget here and we won't have to pay it, right? And so I think that it's it's evil, but it goes way down the list. And the last and the only form of tax that I am remotely okay with is what I would call a usage tax or a usage fee. So <clears throat> if I buy a hunting license and it's used to help fund uh, providing habitat for animals and places I can hunt and things like that, it's almost a private model. It isn't because they take other money from other places to fund the operation. But if I'm paying to use a service and I'm paying government instead of a private entity, it's the closest thing to a free market. So that's what I think. So in order, bad to, to less bad, right? Inflation tax, property tax, capital gains tax, income tax, sales tax, import tax, usage tax. Sometimes over the weekend or Monday, I'll do a poll on this and we'll circulate it on uh, MeWe. If you're on MeWe, you can vote in it. Then we'll discuss the results, see what you guys think, and then we'll vote on it a second time, and I'll report back to you in the future on it. All right, next up. This was one that I, I did feel a little disappointed in Anthony Pompliano, but, again, it was probably one of his people in marketing that did this anyway. Um, the way he covered this on Twitter is he said, Israel dumps the dollar in favor of the Chinese yuan. No, 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 no. No, it's not what happened. If you if you read that headline, which is exactly how it was, dump the dollar in favor of the yuan, the yuan, however you want to say it, the renembi, <laughs> what would you think happened? Israel said, we're getting rid of dollars as our reserve in our banking system, and we're bringing in the Chinese one. That's what you would think. What Israel actually did, and they've always had a, a – a basket, a currency basket is their reserves in their banking system. <clears throat> that was made up of the dollar, the euro, and the pound. And those are really the three most stable currencies historically in the last hundred years. Right? And, and the euro is new, but still very stable compared to other global currencies. The pound has been kind of like the silver standard for a long time. It used to be the pound sterling at one time. Um, and the American dollar has been the global reserve and the petrodollar, et cetera, enforced as the global standard forever. What Israel did is they said, yeah, um, 
maybe we're vulnerable here. Maybe this isn't good. So they, they <clears throat> diluted their shares in those three currencies, the euro, the pound, and the dollar. They added the Japanese yen, the Australian dollar, and the Chinese renminbi. So this is a dilution of the three most stable currencies in the world by a nation who is pretty switched on when it comes to what to do financially with a really stable banking system, right? So um, with, with that in mind, I, I don't think we need to exaggerate. In, in some ways, actually, I think that it's worse. It's worse that the what really happened than the, the uh, clickbait headline that POMPs people used. Because they're not just saying, hey, we don't trust the dollar fully anymore. We don't trust the dollar. We don't trust the pound. And we don't trust the euro enough. Right? The yen is not China, Ika Mouse. I'm sorry. The, 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 the yen is not China. The yen is Japan. Japan is the yen. Anyway. Um, you can look it up. The Japanese currency is the yen. Anyway, so we're going to now hold Japanese currency. You're talking about an economy that's been in a sideways stagflation skid for 20 years. We're going to hold the Chinese equivalent of the dollar, okay? The Chinese equivalent of the dollar, which is pegged to the dollar. Meaning that Israel must feel that at some point, if the dollar goes in the dirt enough, that China will unpeg. Or you wouldn't do it because essentially holding Chinese currency right now is holding devalued, like a revalue of American dollars and the Australian dollar and Australian, the Australian dollar is in the tank, but it might be a good, you know, arbitrage investment, I guess. But, you know, Australia and New Zealand specifically both like totally shit can their economies during the COVID. But this is a, this is a real, Earth-shattering move. This isn't like one bank in Israel. This is like Israel's equivalent of the Fed has shifted their reserve holdings. Wall and David Selko's pointing out here, the U.S. dollar is the strongest currency at this time. It is. And you're, you're moving at least fractionally away from it as your reserve. That does not show confidence in the American dollar. And again, by a country that love them or hate them, Guys, they're not exactly bad with understanding money and global economics. Okay? They're not. Next up, I want to just say a thank you to Ron Cole, who was just asking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, as you guys know, if you want to on um, YouTube, you can super chat me if you like what I'm doing. Value for value exchange. I got an envelope in the mail from Ron with a $100 Federal Reserve uh, space credit in it, like a hundred dollar bill. And he said that way nobody takes any fees out of it. Man, thanks. Thanks for that, Ron. I appreciate that. Uh, I hope you're getting the value out of it that you tendered. Uh, I, I've never been big on saying, Hey, you know, tip me or something like that. that's why I have the members brigade. But you know, I, I guess, you know, Adam Curry's right when he says people should tender consideration based on the value they perceive. And so thank you, Ron. I really appreciate that a lot. There he is right there. I am. You are, Ron. Thank you. Uh, next up, 
Brad M in the chat, I think it was in my eight forms of capital talk, said something to the effect of Gen Z. Yeah, Yon, not Juan. That's what, that's correct. Black Pelican custom rods is correct. By the way, if you guys want to get like a bad ass custom made rod, check this dude out. Subscribe to his channel, Black Pelican Custom Rods. I have an amazing surf rod from him uh, that unfortunately, because we disagree about where rods go together, doesn't get to go to Florida with me because I need a nine foot rod case for the rod to go together. So anyway, uh, but it, it's when I take it down to Texas Coats, it is an awesome freaking rod. Again, Black Pelican Custom Rods. Um, but Brad said basically that the reason the Gen Z is uh saying things like, well, I'll never own a house. Is it because of the reality on the ground? It's not the financial situation in reality. It's because they've been trained to think that way. And wow, that's true. This is why they uh they really think that the ocean is going to boil. And when I started this, right, just understand this. This is actually really important before anybody thinks I'm kicking some young kid in the head here. When I started this show 14 years ago, everything people are now saying about Gen Z was being said about who? Millennials. Millennials are making shit happen right now. Not all of you, but many of you. And I'm going to get to, like, how proud I am of, of millennials and how there's a lesson in, in, in it for many millennials in this audience for Gen Z. But Gen Z has been conditioned to believe that they can never have a house, that there is no hope. And the millennials were too. Gen Z just got a bigger dose of the poison. And I remember back, I think it was like 2014, 2013, whatever Permaculture Voices 1 happened. I was sitting out around this really beautiful fire pit right on the harbor there in California. And you look down into the harbor, and this was kind of built up. It was right at the airport in, uh, I think, San, not in San Jose, um, San Diego, San Diego Airport. If anybody's been there, it's a beautiful hotel right at the hotel, right at the airport, and it's a beautiful harbor. And it had to be 15 feet from where we were sitting down to where the water level was at high tide, by the way. And one of these young guys, Purple Breather Permaculturist, says, People don't understand, man. Within 10 years, 15 tops, that water down there is going to be up in there inside the hotel, flooding the hotel. He believed this. I didn't challenge him because there was no point, right? There was no point challenging this to this person in this fear-based mindset. I just rolled my eyes, and another guy looked at me and rolled his eyes, and we just went on and drank a beer. Now, The interesting thing was the worst predictions of the IPCC was the rise in sea level over the next hundred years of like two inches, right? The worst predictions, two inches. Got eight foot, two inches, and it's going to go another 20 foot upgrade and flood the airport hotel. He really believes this. Why? Is this because he's stupid or poorly educated? Which one is it? It's poorly, poorly educated. Another word for that is indoctrinated into a belief system. Now, that's interesting because that's, uh, did you know that eight years ago? 2014 was eight years ago. I'd like to have a conversation with him now. I'd like to stand in that same spot and go, dude, do you remember saying within 
10 years, 15 tops, that that water down there would be up there in that hotel bar. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I, I wonder if he's going to say it still will, the timeline's just off. Or has he come to realization? And I think a lot of people in Gen uh, Millennial generation have started to go, we were told all these things were going to happen since the late 90s. And that, guys, they were saying it in the 80s to us too. Okay, us, us, us freaking Gen Xers, right? But they, they've heard us since the late 90s, early 2000s. It ain't happened, and even pieces of it haven't happened. And they're starting to lose faith in, in the great religions of, of academia. And they're starting to wake up, and they're looking at their now, they have children. I mean, consider that. When I started TSP, the young generation was the millennials, and they're not anymore. They're in their 30s and early 40s now. Okay? And by the way, us in Gen X, we were talked shit about by the boomers. Okay? So don't, don't feel bad about it. But Gen Z has been conditioned to believe that there is no hope. Because the easiest people to rule over have no hope. This is the power of belief, though. There's a shitload of y'all in this audience that are millennials. A shitload. I would say the largest cohort of my audience are millennials. Probably 50% of the total. And then the rest is divided up between some Gen Zs that are switched on, uh, but it's still the smallest component. And then Gen X is probably the next largest component uh, next to millennials. And then there's quite a few boomers in this audience, believe it or not. And there's a lot of people in that gray zone that overlaps boomer and Gen X or Gen X and millennial. It's not a really a clear divide. But I've probably gotten the most emails that are my payday emails from millennials because you said I did and this was my results. I built a business. I built two businesses. We just closed on 30 acres, right? It's all millennials telling me this because most of the boomers had already developed their wealth by the time they started listening. They just enhanced it. A lot of Gen X did as well. The millennials were the ones that started listening to this show 10 years ago or more and said, oh, shit, I thought I was going to learn about gloom and doom. This is fucking lifestyle design. I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to buy some cryptocurrency. Oh, shit, look what happened. I'm wealthy now. I'm going to buy some land with some of my wealth. Oh, Jack said what I do matters. That's one of his tenets of survival. Shit, I've never been told that in my entire life. I wonder if he's telling me the truth. I know. I'll try to do some things and see if it matters. And then they do, and then it does. This is now, symbolically, because I'm not this important, millennials, as a representative of Gen X, Torch, here you go. You guys, you're to quote an old movie, Boiler Room, you're the big swinging dicks of this firm now. Okay? You're the ballers. You're in charge. We're senior citizens, us and Gen X. You guys. I believed in you. Even when I picked on you, I believed in you. 15 years almost. 14 years almost, I'm sorry. 14 years doing this show. I believed in you. I told you what you did mattered. I encouraged you. I'm not going away. Find a Gen Z millennials, successful millennials. Find a Gen Z. Show them how you did what you did. Pass that shit on. It is my payday. 
when you tell me you succeeded because of what we do here. Okay? But my dividend is when I find out that one of you did something that made the next person take the leap. Come to the line, be told you can't, and go, fuck this, I'm jumping. I'm leaping. I'm going to make something happen. And if you're Gen Z and you're listening to this, if you found it on your own, congratulations. If somebody told you about what we do here, go hug their fucking neck. Because we won't coddle you here. When you say, I'll never own a home, we won't go, oh, poor baby. If we just forgive your loan debt, you'll be okay. We're not going to do that shit. We're going to tell you, you make the investment in you. You stop worrying about what people tell you you can't do. You make things happen. What you do matters, and we'll help you. I can't tell you how much help this community has been to me and to each other. And if you know Gen Zs, and I mean, you know, it's an adult show, so you're talking like teenagers in your early 20s now, just like you millennials were when you started listening. Turn them onto this show. Pick a few episodes that you think, you know, will punch them in the mouth in a good way. Let's say maybe you need to start listening to this guy. You know, I'm, people have asked me like, why don't you go out and market more and try to be, you know, get big like Rogan or Tim Pool or something so I can have my house swatted, right? I mean, that's what, that's what's happened to Tim Pool lately. He has people swatting him. I don't want to be that big, guys. I don't want to ever lose the ability that when I'm sitting here doing a live stream that I can individually start recognizing names and handles and know that person. Like I know TX Homestead right here. Okay. Do I know this person's per- first name? No, but I know that handle. I've seen it in this chat so many times. That person has value to me. I don't even know if it's a male or a female on the other end of it or gender neutral or whatever. Right. But I know that person. It's hard when you do get some level of public success to stay personal. And it's, it's why I've tried to remain humble enough to not get too full of myself. And I know sometimes even that I do, but I try to always check that and always think about the person on the other end. And I will be harsh at times. Well, I would say even my generation to a degree, 50 and younger, spent a lot of our lives coddled. You don't need any more coddling. You need a kick in the ass. You don't just need it in the ass cheek. You need it right in the butthole. You need a toe. This is, hey, wake up. Stop using the fetus language. Go make shit happen. Go do it. And if you already did, help somebody else. Help somebody else. So a long time ago, one of my mentors in business was in my first sales gig. And I I just literally had saved the company. And what I mean by that is they were on the edge of bankruptcy. And I wrote a million and a half dollar contract. I mean, people had been laid off. They got called back the day I got the PO. I got them a 50% down payment. And in my industry, you didn't do that. They couldn't have afforded the job without the down payment. And... um one of the two brothers that ran the company came in to talk to me and he said, I, I want you to start training other salespeople. And he, he made an analogy to Star Wars. He was that kind of guy. He said, you ever notice that like the Siths, 
they have quote unquote apprentices, but they're not really apprentices. They just like say, now you are a dark master. You, you serve me, but they don't really actually train or teach. They just give some power and then use the person. But the Jedi masters have Padawans that the people that are actually have earned their power, that have worked for their power, they always have a student that they're actually teaching. Okay, guys, if you've earned your power, if you've worked hard, if you closed on that 30 acres or 300 acres, and some of you guys that are 15 years younger than me, that when you started listening, thought, I'll never have a jacket. You have more than me now, and I'm grateful for it. Where's your student? Where's your apprentice? Where are your Padawan learners? Go find some. You want to do it as a podcaster and scale it? Fine. Some of us were meant for that. It's the way we're at our best as a teacher. That's me. I'm not real good one-on-one. I don't have patience for it. I expand a person's mind, show them what's possible, get out of their way. There's people that need this. Hand in hand, hand on shoulder. And they don't just need it. They're fucking worthy of it. Go find one. Go find one. Take on someone. Be a mentor. Act like the master Jedi you've become. You owe it to the next generation or your own or the one before you. Some of you millennials need to grab a Gen Xer that's about to become a boomer in reality. Teach them about crypto before they miss the opportunity. All right. Next up, I was asked, Jack, why didn't you keep streaming on No Agenda Tube? You did it for like a week. It was great. Okay. Um, because I did it for like a week. And then No Agenda Tube said, you've exceeded the number of live broadcasts you can do. And I talked to the guy behind it. He said, it's not really ready for prime time yet. And I said, well, how can people boost me with Satoshis through No Agenda Tube? I thought that was a thing. So they can't do that yet either. So it doesn't work. It doesn't work for a daily podcast with four days a week going live. If it did, and if it does, if you tell me like, hey, they got it working now, I'll do it. I love the idea of No Agenda Tube. But I do have a question for you guys. And until No Agenda Tube's available, um, I have room for more than one because I broadcast right now to seven platforms. But let's be honest, Twitter and Facebook don't get many views. Um, and I don't really like either one of them. But I have the ability, so why not? I also broadcast to YouTube, Twitch, um, Float, Odyssey, and Rumble. Where else should I live podcast to? Where else can I stream these videos to? I can do eight. I'm doing seven, and two really aren't that big of a deal to me. So I have room for up to three. I really do. And I just don't know where else. Now, here's, like, I've had people say Instagram. Instagram doesn't work with RMTP unless you get this mid-level thing, and you got to turn it on at the right. I tried. It was a pain in the ass. I have to be able to podcast with RMTP. That's what I need to be able to do because now you can directly uh, live stream on Telegram, but I can't link to it with the RMTP protocol. If you know a place I can do that, that you would watch me, email me, jack at the survivalpodcast.com, TSPC stream in the subject line. Tell me the place. I'll look at it. All right. So a derp 
nicest phrase I can give for him on Instagram, calls himself KY Climber. Mm, interesting. Um, said, I used to respect you, man. I love that one. I used to respect you, man. And I'm thinking, I've been saying the same shit for 14 years. So if something I said all of a sudden actually changes your opinion of me, you were never listening in the first place, guys. I mean, that's honestly. Um, <clears throat> but he said, all you do is sell fear. What's interesting is the first time I noticed this person, because I don't really pay attention that much to comments on Instagram. Dorothy runs it. Um, was a post I did about that crazy bitch face chick from the CDC, Michelle, whatever her name is, who doesn't know anything about health or science, by the way, at all. She's a mouthpiece, a woke appointee. Um, she shouldn't be in charge of distributing band-aids, let alone health advice to the average American. I posted a video of her claiming about a year and a month ago now that if you got the vaccine, you would not get infected with COVID period and you would not spread the virus. And I simply pointed out that that wasn't true, that that was dangerous medical misinformation, which we now know that it is. And he said, you're just selling fear, man. You're just selling fear. In science, man, you have a hypothesis and you update it when there's new information. I agree. I kind of wish science did work that way. Um, but you don't make public policy on a hypothesis. You can make it on a theory, but not a hypothesis. Just saying. However, the comment that I'm selling fear, and then it's like he got addicted to that phrase and everything I post, you're selling fear. Post a picture of ducks, I'm selling fear. Okay. Who's selling fear? I hope that, uh, derp is listening. I want to, I want an honest answer from you, dude. Who's selling fear? So when COVID hit, even before we knew, and even when I'm like, I don't really know what's going to happen, how dangerous this is. First thing I did was bring in people to talk about building a business and making most of the opportunity while there was a shutdown. Within three weeks, I said, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. It is for most people a bad cold or you don't even know you have it. It is a 99.8 survival rating. The average age of death, the median age of death is eight years older than the average age that people die at in the country. Go live your life. Then I said, masks don't work. Don't wear them. Here's, here's eight random controlled trials that prove it doesn't work. Then when the clot shot came out, I said, you know, if you're a healthy individual, you probably don't need this. And then when more information came out about side effects and problems, like something like 300 freaking athletes collapsing on the field and having heart attacks, you probably shouldn't do this, and you're probably going to be okay anyway. And if you're a particular risk, you should take some precautions. And these are the people that shrieked we needed to shut down people's businesses, shut down people's churches, that we needed to wear masks, we needed to socially distance, that you needed to not hug your grandchildren. So there's pictures of me hanging out with and hugging my grandchildren around our pond two weeks into this. And you're the ones that were afraid to hug your grandchildren. And you're the ones that told other grandparents to be afraid to hug their grandchildren. Who's selling fear? I mean, I would actually like this derp, KY Climber. Give me an answer to that, because I've actually written this to you several times. And you ignore it. You make some other bullshit statement. And I want anybody who thinks I sell fear to explain to me how I sell fear. It's the survival podcast. He must sell fear. 
This is the most optimistic, proactive podcast I submit on the planet. We are the most optimistic people. You don't build a business unless you're optimistic. You know who plants gardens? Optimists plant gardens. You know who focuses their time and energy on things like permaculture and regenerative agriculture? Optimists. Do you know who sends a message to the generation before them to help the generation before them? Optimists. Do you know who says you can design your lifestyle your way and what you do matters? Optimists. Who the fuck is selling fear here? Who is selling fear? And if somebody says, Troy says he doesn't have the balls. Dude, if you, if somebody actually gets you to listen to this, I will bring you on the air. I will have a discussion with you. I will even respect you and not call you a dirt during it. I'll call you KY Climber or Z, whatever you want to be called. I'll be nice. I want a discussion with anybody claiming I sell fear. Let's have a discussion about it. You tell me how I'm selling fear and how it's not the government and the mainstream that's actually selling fear. Fox News sold fear. I'm not the one that put up an artificial, absolutely fake death count running in real time that there was no way to possibly have in the early days of the pandemic and told you those people were dying in real time in front of you. Did I? I'm not the one that did that. I'm not the one that let an old lady die without their relative holding their hand due to fear. Am I? Well, what if they went in to that old folks home and then they, they spread uh, the COVID to other people? Okay. First of all, if you're saying the old lady that was dying had COVID, wouldn't the best thing have been to get her out of there? And if the people that, that loved her were willing to take her into their home and risk being exposed, wasn't that their risk to have? Didn't that old woman or that old man deserve someone to hold their hand in those last moments? And who prevented that? Me or you? So who the fuck is selling fear if not mainstream media and big tech? And the left more than the right, but the right thrives on selling fear as well. I, uh, I want anybody anywhere that claims I sell fear to stand toe to toe with me and explain it to me. And I'm going to tell you exactly how many people are going to do it. Fucking zero. Because you know you've lost. Because you know you've lost. If I was selling fear, I wouldn't spend 10 hours talking about growing food for every one hour I talk about self-defense. If I was selling fear, I'd be shrieking and screaming that there will be no food left in five days if you don't buy it now. Not, hey, go form relationships with your local producers and shore up the food system for yourself. Who the fuck is selling fear? Not me, baby. No. All right. Moving on. The woke are broke. Why? We're right back to the disempowerment message that Gen Z is getting right now. We have an entire group, and it does span mostly. There are some boomers that are woke, okay? There are some Gen Xers that are woke. The majority of the woke are Gen Z about to the middle, to the edge of the millennials, and most of them are broke. And the, it, it, it is a plan, It is by design. If you want to have people accept the government interfering in the lives of people, if you want people to say, save me, they need to feel hopeless. 
They've been taught to be hopeless. And woke is just a new version of hopeless. You, you've got the, the single most successful country that's ever existed on the planet in the United States, which despite all our problems, tremendous opportunity. So what do you do? You convince them the whole country's racist. I have a fucking nephew that went to college as a bright, articulate young man who now won't date white girls because he hates white people, even though he's as white as the driven. He's way whiter than me. At least my family's from freaking Asia. Yeah, I, I, I know it's hard to understand, but Ukraine and then Western, I'm sorry, Eastern Ukraine, really, you're kind of getting into almost Asia. And I think our family, when we did our roots, has to go way into like um, Eastern Russia. Right. He's he's Dutch. He's Dutch. <laughs> he couldn't be more white. He won't date white girls. White privilege. I don't know what the fuck this is, but those who can see the video, he would he would tell my my wife this when he would visit from law school. Two words, Aunt Dorothy, white privilege. She one time said to him, then maybe your your uncle Jack who busted his ass that occasionally writes you a check and sends you shit. While you're sitting off in school, all privileged that your environmental law school shouldn't send that shit to you so you don't have too much privilege. It's amazing. It's amazing that we've gotten here. This this kid is now clerking for a federal fucking judge. Privilege. About as privileged as it comes. But they've disempowered a whole generation. They've disempowered a whole generation, and they've done it through defeatism. It's racist. It's sexist. A person really can change their sex in their head, and we're supposed to recognize. All of it is designed for the same ends. Woke is just the latest iteration of you can't. The millennials that now own homes also used to say, I'll never own a home. So did us, the Gen Xers. We just weren't online doing it because it wasn't online to be on in our time. Every generation believes this. It's natural for you to come up in the world, fight your way through the system, emerge on the other side, get your first job, look at the people 10, 15 years ahead of you and think, I'll never catch up. I'll never be there. It'll never happen for me. It's natural to think that way. It's natural at the bottom of the hill to think the mountain is too hard to climb. But what most people do is go, But maybe I can get there. Like it's way up there, but maybe I can get just to that first ledge. And they climb that ledge and they stand there and they look up and they go, wow, it's top still way up there. But then they, they look down and go, shit, look how far I've come. Maybe I can go there. Maybe I can go there. Maybe I can go there. Once you go woke, wherever you've gotten to, you're not going anymore. You're not climbing anymore. You've been taught that the water that's eight feet down there will raise one inch and somehow be 10 feet over your head. So why? Why try? The woke are broke because they're supposed to be. And these companies like Disney and whatnot that are run by rich people, and you say, but they're, they're not woke. They know who they're selling to. And the reality that the demographic they're selling to is broke is starting to come to them. Just take a look at Netflix stock price, right? 
because he's expecting. Has anybody seen the picture? It's absolutely nonsensical. Men could have babies because trans men are men. No, they're women that dress like men, and I'm okay with it. You want to be a trans dude? Fine. You want to be a chick and pretend that you're a dude? Fine. You want to do it the other way and be a dude and pretend you're? I don't care. I don't care. That's fine. I believe in freedom and liberty for everybody. But you can't change reality. Go try to milk a bull. If you think gender is a mental construct, go milk a bull and you'll find out real quick. It's not how it works. All right. What I want to end with is what do I mean when I say I'm an anarchist? So I think we talked about the discussion being about morality versus a political movement, but I want to expand, expand this a little bit today. So when I say I'm an anarchist and you should be too, I mean, if you answer the question, is it wrong to use force on peaceful people to take their property against their will? Is it wrong to hurt people and steal their stuff? If you answer that with a yes, I think you morally are an anarchist and you need to come to terms with what you are. If you're a statist, if you actually believe it's okay, because this this service or product is so important, I'm willing to use force on peaceful people to have it versus pay for it myself. While I claim it's because I'm worried somebody else can't afford it. Bullshit. Because what you're really saying is, I want society to be stable enough that the poor people won't get mad and take my stuff. So I'm willing to have them get some of your stuff to keep my stuff. That's what people really mean when they say, if you believe that, then you're not ready yet. That's okay. You get to be that, and the majority of people are. I just put you in touch with it. Because I think if your path is here, straight in front of you, for those that aren't seeing the video, and you're walking over here to the right or the left of your path, your life will never become what it can truly become. I believe we all have a path that is most ideal for us. And it is the path that is most consistent with our personal integrity and morality. So when you say, I think tax is theft, and you mean it, then you're an anarchist. I didn't decide you were. You did. Now, you might not like that. I just told you what you are. And I didn't even tell you. I showed you. When I say, what services... Or products, are you personally willing to take a gun, put it in somebody's face, and say, give me money, okay, because this is so important, I'm willing to do this to you. And you say none, you're an anarchist. And when you say, Jack, I believe in government but I don't believe in taking a gun and pointing it in somebody's face and making them give their property. I would never do that. When you believe in, believe in government, which is an artificial construct, all right? When you believe that and you're okay with it, you think it's morally acceptable, what you're saying is you're willing to outsource the gun into somebody else's hand to do the theft and robbery for you. And I'm actually okay with it If you'll admit that's what you're saying. When I say I'm an anarchist, all I mean is I've, I've decided for myself 
to embrace reality, to accept the fact that in the words of one of our founders, the state is force. Without force, there is no state. And to use force on peaceful people is wrong. Period. That's what I mean. And I think when, when people are like anarchists, they want to like drag the state into anarchy. That's actually the worst non-anarchist thing an anarchist could do. You're now deciding for others. As an anarchist, I'm not looking to change the state. I'm looking to avoid it. I build my own systems. I do not ask the state for its permission. I choose where and when I participate in the state's systems. And the cost of doing business I see as a fee for me to play inside their game. Well, he uses the roads. Damn right I do. Every time I put gas in my car, you tax me to pay for them. Of course I do. Or you tax me for the gas and you charge me a toll. Of course I use them. Give me an alternative. I'll use it. I don't have one. And I pay for it. And I run my business above board and I pay tax on the income. And I took their book, their tax code that they wrote that's this thick, the size of two 1980s yellow phone, yellow pages for like Jacksonville, Florida, right? Their code that's that thick where a small PDF printout tells you what you have to do and the rest of the book tells you how not to do it. And I focus on the how not to do it part. And because it's advantageous for me, because I make more money that way, in the end, I participate in their system that way. But if I want to sell my neighbor some comfrey roots, I'm not phoning up the state of Texas and telling them I want to run a licensed nursery and paying them for that. You see how that works? If I want to make some moonshine, I'm going to make some freaking moonshine. If I want to have an agorist component to what I do, I'm going to, I don't ask. Anarchists do not ask for permission. We build loss into our financial models. That's what smart anarchists do. That's what smart anarchists do. If I get caught, what is this going to cost me? Five years in jail? Probably, honestly, I'm probably not doing it. Right? Not doing it. They're going to find me a thousand bucks. Really? How long does it take me to be a thousand dollars ahead doing this thing? A month? So you're telling me it's legal for a fee. And don't think the, the top mafia bosses, the oligarchs, don't think that way. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, you find me five million bucks, but I made 50 million? Here you go. That actually happened. I don't remember if the numbers were those exact numbers. It was something like that. It was something like $25 million fine on a $250 million game. There was a guy that took the fall for the savings and loan shit uh, in the 80s. And I think he got like an $88 million fine and like 60 days in jail, but he made like $100 million. I'll, in, in 80s money? I'll take that deal. This is what I mean when I say I'm an anarchist. That I live my life on my terms with no regard whatsoever to what you think I shouldn't do. I have one morality thing that binds me. I will not harm another person or take their stuff unless I'm defending myself or somebody else. If you try to kill somebody in front of me, I will kill you back. If you try to kill me, I will kill the shit out of you because my wife and my grandkids and my son and the rest of my family depend on me. And my life is worth more than yours the minute you decide to threaten mine. Until such time, your life is worth defending and your property is worth defending. That's what I mean. I don't know what everybody else means. I'm, you know, the people that are, they say they're anarchists and they tell another anarchist how they have to think and, and, and speak. Fuck off. You have no right to say that. 
you obviously aren't an anarchist. Right. I think there's, there's only, and like this, I'm an ANCOP. I'm an AN, an ANCAP. I'm an ANCOM. I'm an AN this. I'm a syndicate or whatever the fuck. There's only one thing in the world of anarchy. One. No state, no legitimate government without consent of the governed. Not implied, not a social contract. I have to consent to your governance and one law, one rule, the true golden rule. Don't hurt other people. Don't take their stuff. If it's not that, it's not anarchism. It's mafiaism. In other words, it's a form of statism. All right. So here is the point. I only have like six items starred, so I might have missed some stuff that was in all caps. If you have something for me when I start going through these, go ahead and all cap me. I got about 10 minutes left today, and we're going to break out. Tom L. says, did you see the recent outbreak of liver problems in kids? Suppose it's not related to COVID or the vaccine, but possibly some new virus has not, I have not dug into it. I have not. I have not. And I'm not going to speculate that it is the COVID vaccine because I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if it is real or it's fabricated, but if it's true, it's highly suspicious. Um, I actually think there, there's no way around the rash of cardiac issues in young people not being related to the, 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 the clot shot. But, uh, I had not heard of a liver thing. I'll dig into that. Um, the Philippine nomad says narco legislation killed illegal drugs, cancer, diabetes, and a host of other diseases went wild in the USS of a, uh, where covert government drug dealing, Iran, a scam, El Salvador, drugs for guns, et cetera, is king. Yeah. Yeah. You notice that, uh, uh, what's his name? Bukele down in El Salvador, who's getting all kinds of shit now, uh, because they made Bitcoin legal tender and they're so worried about people that, you know, the, the, the international bankers are worried about poor people. Yeah. Like they sit up at night worrying about poor people or some shit. Right. Um, yeah, they're concerned. They're concerned. Uh, he, he had a tweet recently where he said, you know, when we were dealing with the gang and drug problem in El Salvador, none of you people cared. So you don't get the care now. And I'm going to do something rare here, guys. I'm going to be right back. This dog is asking to go out, and I'm going to go let her out. So we're going to take a 30-second intermission. Sorry about that. That's the only time that's ever happened. But once she starts, she's not going to quit. And if a dog craps in your house, after they tell you they need to go out, it's on you. Anyway, yeah, like he said, like, where were all you people when we were fighting these drug kingpins and we were fighting to get drugs out of our country and break control from the gangs? You didn't help. You don't get to say shit now. And that is a big part of it. I only mentioned that because Philippine Nomad answered uh, – Mentioned El Salvador in there. A uh, green country agrofarsy says, if I own it, but I have to pay someone every year to lose or lose it, do I really own it or do that? You do own it. That's the cost of doing business is the way you have to look at real estate. So what is the difference between me owning a piece of real estate and me leasing a piece of real estate if I have to pay tax on the real estate? So let's say I have a lease on some land and uh, I die. Who gets it? It reverts to the leaseholder. If I own it and it's a part of my wealth and I die, who gets it? My wife, my son, my grandson, my granddaughter. Maybe I split it up between them. You hold the underlying wealth. Yes, you own it. Now, you're being extorted because you own it. But like I said, people like, so what is your alternative to owning property? Like you can't live in space yet. People have tried living in the ocean. Doesn't work real well. Saltwater is kind of a problem. 
What are you going to do? What is, you know, unless you're independently wealthy and actually can see stead for real on a yacht, what is your alternative to buying property? Renting property, whether it's an apartment or a house or a farm or whatever. Well, what are you doing when you lease property? You're paying my property taxes, your landlord. So, yeah, you own land. It doesn't make it not wrong, but, yes, you own it. Philippine Nomad says, uh, at Ecomouse, when we dump the Fed debt notes, it's crypto for the win, and then we won. Ha ha. I'm not really sure why that wasn't all caps for me, but, um, I agree to a point. I look at wealth and money as one thing, and I look like in the same basket anyway. And I look at currency in another way. And the dollar is the best currency we have right now because the most people take it in the most places. I think that's waning. We talked about it today. Um, but I don't hate dollars. I hate what the dollars become. But I, like when, when you send me dollars and you buy from me in dollars, I pay my bills with it. I store my wealth mostly out of either if it's in dollars, it's in some form of equity. If it's wealth storage, there is a short term savings that I hold in dollars and there is inflation on that. And I call that inflation, my opportunity cost by keeping that wealth in a form of a battery that leaks. I know how much it leaks and how long it leaks for. And I only put so much energy in it, but that way, when some opportunity presents itself, I have liquid currency that I can capitalize on the opportunity with. And that's a totally different way to think than what you've been taught in school or what the TV teaches you. Uh, Philippine Nomad says most of my mentors and apprentices nowadays are here on TSP. Lots of uh, AFKL, LFTN. I'm not sure what AFKL is. LFTN is Living Free in Tennessee. TMT Workshop, FFF, UTG Vets, Unloose the Goose, Float Odyssey, and a few YouTube survivors while they still last. Yeah, I think the community within the community or the communities within the communities of TSP is an incredible value. Um, Philippine Nopad, awful talkative today. Anarcho Anonymous, uh, I'm loco and I'm freedom loving stateless hermit. Uncle Sam is for fellow puppets. Uh, leave me alone. Uncle Sam and fellow puppets. Leave me alone. Yeah, I agree. Like that's how I see my anarchy. I don't want to change your world. I just want you out of mine unless I invite you in. Real anarchists are the most peaceful, loving people on the planet. They ask only to be left in peace. That's it. Um, and the whole, well, you know, um, you know, uh, but what about like you using the state system? Or Again, we pay for it. Right. We didn't ask for it. And give me the alternative. And since you don't, I use what I have. Um, Aaron says, Jack, off topic, what is the best way to get rid of algae in a pond without chemicals? It depends on what kind of algae we're talking about. If you're talking about green water algae, and you'll learn a lot about this in my course that's due out in June, June, July at the latest. Um, if it's green water algae, meaning it's not attached to anything, it's just the water is green, um, barley straw bales, um, enough straw bale for the size of the pond, and within a week or two, you'll have clear water. It inhibits the algae's ability to replicate itself. If you're talking about string algae and stuff like that, first of all, all healthy aquatic systems have algae. One more time. All healthy aquatic systems have algae. 
It is the root of all plankton, zoa, and, 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 and otherwise all plankton, phyto and zooplankton in every aquatic system, the root is algae. So you're going to have some. This time of year is when some of my systems struggle the most with things like string algae. And what eventually happens is you get enough top growth. So azola, duckweed, water hyacinth, things like that. Uh, sprawling things like uh, water spinach, etc., that it shields out the solar radiation. And then your algae problem goes into decline because those plants are, one, taking up excess nutrients, and, two, they're shielding out the solar radiation the algae needs to replicate. And it's usually self-correcting. You don't generally have much of a problem going into your fall as that top growth comes back because the water temperature drops. It's the spring warm-up where this is most prominent, and we'll talk about it a lot more in my class uh, Eka Mouse says, Jack, you just reminded me of the little Texas town of Cut and Shoot. Great memories. That's cool. I don't know anything about it, though. I don't know. That's the last one I see in all caps. Who let the dogs out in? <laughs> I guess that's when I was letting Lucy out. Uh, she was doing her Siberian Husky talk to me. She's only half Husky, but she knows how to talk like a Husky. Uh, Scarano says, could you give some more info on how you handle cash holdings percent or how do you decide how much to hold um i don't want to give too much information out because i don't want to be like this is a number i don't even really want to do a percentage because i think it's irrelevant if you're worth a million dollars um a small percentage might be enough if you're worth a hundred thousand dollars a larger percentage might be required um i think you have to look at your life and say If the right opportunity presented itself, how much money am I willing to act on within a 48-hour period? That's kind of my number. Plus, how would I pay my bills for the next two to three months? Right? And then I don't need to add those numbers, but I need to, like, Venn diagram them. Some portion of each overlaps because if I have a – 90-day emergency fund plus an opportunity fund, they don't need to be one plus one is two. They're more like a piece of each because I could always take part of the 90-day emergency fund and go into the opportunity spend and then take something that's liquid but less liquid, like a stock or a bond or crypto or just start like cut spending and resupply so you got to think that way. I can't give you a hard number on that. I, I don't think, um, I don't think there's a hard answer to that because I think it is very much, and I know I say it all the time, but because it's true, it's, it depends. So scrambling says algae is your friend and fish eat it to a degree. You want to cut your algae, have goldfish. Um, my systems that have goldfish have very little overall algae. And like I build these towers out of cinder blocks. And then I put tiles across them to put plants on. And a lot of times you'll have service algae grow on those platforms. And if you sneak up on them, you come out and you'll see your goldfish kind of tail up. And they're grazing like little cows on the algae. Uh, crayfish eat algae as well. Crayfish eat the crap out of algae. I didn't know until I kept some for a while, especially string algae. They love it. Um, but there is a recycling going on there. And so you think, well, Jack, why don't you just put goldfish everywhere? Because goldfish in sufficient numbers to control algae in a tank will turn around and start eating things like your other zooplankton. And one of the things I grow is really bigger than zooplankton, but kind of fits in that niche, is neocardania is what they're called. 
They're a shrimp, commonly known in the pet trade as cherry shrimp. And in systems where I have, you know, half a dozen, a dozen goldfish in like a hundred gallon tank, I have almost no shrimps. So there's some of my tanks that I use as reserve for these shrimp because they're feed stock for like my bluegills and my bullheads. And if I highly inhabit them with goldfish, then I lose the reserve of shrimp. And it is a thing. And anybody that says goldfish don't predate, I'm sorry, is wrong. It's They're wrong. And they won't just predate on shrimps. They'll predate on minnows. They just don't catch enough for it to matter. How do I know this? Because I have two really cool goldfish in a 40-gallon breeder, highly planted, beautiful tank that's right up there. You have to trust me. I can't put the camera on it from here. Um Gorgeous goldfish that I took out of one of my outdoor tanks. And I put them in there. And I don't have shrimp in there because I have angelfish and stuff like that in there. The angels are pretty small yet. And I had a bunch of uh, neon tetras. And I know they didn't die because they'd be floating. And they are they were there one day and gone the next. And the only thing in that tank big enough to eat them are the goldfish. They're about like three inch goldfish. And, uh, yeah, they ate them because there's, there's a red tail sh- or a red tail shark in there, but he's itty bitty. There's some Buenos Aires tetras in there. I've kept them with neons my whole life and they don't do that. There's an a- angelfish will eat neons. Generally, if you raise them together, they're less likely to, but when an angel gets big, they'll suck neons and small fish right down. They're a predator. They're a cichlid. Um, but the angel that's in there when they disappeared was like, you know, a little bigger than a quarter. He couldn't do it. The goldfish ate the neon tetras. So don't believe that they're not predators. They are. My buddy David said they will eat anything that they can get in their mouth. I think there's some truth to that. And I've caught carp on minnows. So don't tell they're not not real common. But don't tell me they won't do it because I know otherwise. Anyway, guys, with that, we've wrapped up another episode of the Survival Podcast. I'll I'll be back Monday. Uh, I'd like to know what you want me to talk about on Monday. We were very temporal, current events, current situation today. I always like to go on the other side of those podcasts and talk about solutions and homesteading and stuff like that. If you'll send me an email with TSPC Monday in the subject line, And tell me what you want me to answer for you on Monday. I'll do another Outback with Jack episode, variety topics, but I'll do it all from what you ask if enough of you ask enough things. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. I have activities planned now with my grandkids. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you. A better way